Hello, you are listening to the Bethel Atlanta Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message. For more information about Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com. So tonight, I encourage you to lean in to the heart of God. Tonight, I'm going to talk about the strategies of heaven. Steve and I and a team went to Mexico a few months, couple of months ago to hear Heidi Baker. And I was, besides being incredible, Heidi, the, the night, the, the week, we were, I was amazed at God's strategies. I was amazed that Iris Ministry was having this huge revival in Mexico, and they had teams up in northern Mexico that were over teams in lower Mexico. They were touching the world. And I was, I was so aware, God, you're so strategic. And then I started thinking, well, Bethel, Atlanta, man, you got Sherry in Cameroon and Kenya now, and you got people going to Nicaragua and Colombia. Um, yeah, and then Luis and Neva are thinking about going to Mexico soon, and I'm going, God, you're so strategic. You have outreach groups going downtown, just touching parts of the city. The strategies of God are powerful. And then I said, tonight, and I feel this with all my heart, you are meant to be here for such a time as this in Bethel, Atlanta, in that chair. Because I believe the strategy of heaven is here for a moment tonight that's going to change our lives forever. I really believe this. I've been battling for three weeks. And I know this is a big deal to God. And I could feel it during worship. I could see it in worship. Do you know the word says in John 3:34, God gives a spirit without limits. And we can walk in Holy Spirit without limits. And I personally, I step in, oh, I'm so full of Holy Spirit. But then I step back out. And then I step in. I've got to stay here. I had a dream about you guys about 11 years ago. And this was one of my first Bethel Atlanta dreams. And Steve and I were on this vast property. And we were looking at the gorgeous land as far as the eye could see. It was amazing. And Jesus walks up and hands us this beautiful baby. And I knew it was Bethel Atlanta. And he was grinning. And then he showed us, if you're my age, you know what a Rolodex is? So, yeah, well, they used to put, you know, index cards on it. But he started spinning this Rolodex that went on forever of pictures of you, pictures of your dreams, pictures of your victories, pictures of your families, of miracles, of the great things for heaven that you will accomplish. And so I had this dream. You were meant for such a time, for this moment. You were meant to be here. Heidi Baker, when we were in Mexico, she talked about you. You are eagles. You are eagles with a wing of power, and you're eagles with a wing of love. Do you know all creation is groaning for the manifestation of the sons and daughters of God? It's time, you mighty sons, you mighty daughters, to rise up. So tonight... I'm going to tell you a little bit about my, my life, just so you know, because I have a lot of dreams, and God speaks to me in dreams, so I'm going to tell you a little bit about my childhood, just so you can gather what the impact of a couple of these dreams. So when I was a kid, my mom and I raised collies, and we had five kids in our family, and I was the only one, me and Ma, that were interested in these dogs. We had litter after litter, and I shared this with school, so y'all bear with me, but I remember the first puppy born, I must have been six years old, 
I remember honey bears in the middle of the den floor licking a fish. I said, Ma, there's a fish on the floor. But it was the puppy in the sack. And that was my first memory of birthing tens and tens of litters. We had all these collies. And I tell one funny story. I wish Jen was here. Um, I had my two favorite collies. Honey Bear was my first one, and she had the baby Teddy Bear. So I had Honey Bear and Teddy Bear, and I remember being the size of those collies out in the front yard, rolling around, learning how to love, and I would just love on them. And if I rubbed their stomach, and if I went, like that, then Honey Bear, the female, would go, and Teddy Bear, the male, would go, and it was just so, it just cracked me up. So we just sing out in the front yard. So about two months ago, Jen Stockman walks up and she goes, oh, how I love you. Really high. And I went, oh, how I love you. And I went, oh, it's Honey Bear and Teddy Bear all over again. And it just, but it just touched my heart. Those moments where I've learned to love as a kid. So then I married Steve and he said, collies, what about golden retrievers? So everything shifted and we started raising golden retrievers. Now, this is all important stuff. So anyway, so we had all these litters and our kids raised dogs. So let me tell you about goldens. If you've seen commercials, they're probably the cutest puppy around. They're so beautiful. But they're unbelievably messy when you have a litter of 10. And we had this huge box in our garage with a cement floor. And we would lay the paper We'd get the morning before school, and we'd roll up the nastiest paper ever, newspaper, back when we had papers coming. We had huge stacks of them we saved. And we would roll it up, and we'd lay pretty new paper down, and all of a sudden they start pooping and peeing, and we just put stacks on top of it. We just did that all day until we cleaned them up before bed. So you've got to imagine the nastiest stack. You're just rolling it up. I mean, it was disgusting. I mean, Lauren's going, she remembers. And we did that. But it didn't matter because we loved these beautiful puppies. Another time we went to church and we had a brand new litter and we had four little kids and we had the puppies in the kitchen, of course. And we come home and the puppies have eaten the sheetrock up. Remember that, honey? They ate the wall. Another time, and then I'll end the puppy talk. But another time when Lauren was a baby, we lived in my mom and dad's garage. We were building a house. So we had this indoor-outdoor carpet. So we had these great puppies and then... Four or five months later, when the puppies were gone, we had fleas. Oh, it was so gross. So we put Lauren in the next room to bed, and then Steve and I would take our shoes and socks off, and we'd run to the bed and jump on the bed, and then we'd check our legs to make sure there were no fleas that were going to eat us all night. So anyway, just all that to say, golden retrievers are awesome and beautiful, but they're a mess. Okay, that's a little background. So now I'm going to tell you one of my first dreams I had. I had... A few weeks ago, I had three dreams in one night, and they're significant because you, sons and daughters of God, are called to lead revival. So the first dream, guess what it's about? In our pro- on our property, there were thousands, thousands of the most beautiful golden retrievers you've ever seen. So immediately in the dream, I'm going, oh, this is beautiful. And I, in the dream, sometimes you don't know what the dream's about while you're having it. I could totally understand it while I was dreaming it. I said, oh, these are thousands were coming to the property. I mean, endless numbers were coming to the property. We've had prof- prophetic words that the cars will be lined up all the way to the expressway. But these golden retrievers, these people made of gold, gold in the sight of God were coming onto the property. But in the dream, it was so messy. We were shoveling poop. And it didn't matter because we were so in love with these golden retrievers. So that's the first dream. This is all in one night. The second dream, 
And that's self-explanatory, right? The goldens are the people. And the goldens are gold in God's eyes, but they retrieve. They go get more people and get them saved and bring them back to Bethel, Atlanta and to the body of Christ. So the second dream, I was all of a sudden on our church property, these three trucks drive up. The first one is this oil rig. It is double decker, whatever, long, the most beautiful, all the oil you'd ever need. And I knew it was Holy Spirit. I said, whoa, all the oil, all the anointing of Holy Spirit we need is coming. And the second truck was a huge truck full of firewood. And I was kind of going, I didn't understand that in the middle while I was sleeping until later. And then the third truck was a garbage truck. And that was that dream. So I woke up and I started thinking, well, the next morning I started thinking about that, the oil truck. And I'm going to read to you Isaiah 61. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of gladness instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Aliens will shepherd your flocks. Foreigners will work your fields and vineyards. And you will be called priests of the Lord. And you will be named ministers of our God. And this message is for you. The third dream I had right after that, one, two, three. The third, all God says, read Jeremiah. And I'll just... Oh, I missed the, sorry. I missed the um, wood truck, the truck full of wood. That one had so much wood on it. I was going, God, what are you talking about? And, you know, Michael Maiden had a prophetic word over Bethel, Atlanta. There would be a fire 200 feet high in the middle of that field because revival would break out in such an extent. And the fire of God on our hearts would be so powerful that people will come in our presence and get saved, healed, and delivered. And then my favorite scripture, you guys. And one thing about firewood, you know when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego went into the fire, what burned up? Only the ropes, only the junk that was holding them down. Everything else was free. And my favorite verse, Song of Solomon 8 it says, fasten me upon your heart as a seal of fire forevermore. This living, consuming flame will seal you as my prisoner of love. My love will be stronger than the chains of death and the grave, consuming as the very flashes of fire from the burning heart of God. Place this fire, unrelenting fire, over all your being. Rivers of persecution and pain will never extinguish this flame. Endless floods will be unable to quench this raging fire burning within you. Everything will be consumed. It will stop at nothing as you yield everything to the furious fire until it won't even seem to you like a sacrifice anymore. And then the last truck was the garbage truck. See, all of this is talking revival is coming. You guys have a huge calling on your life. You're not just here to hang out with church. We are called to lead revival. And the last thing was cool. I even looked up garbage in the Bible. I Googled it, you know, and I found, I found rubbish in Nehemiah. Even though the walls were fallen as rubbish, 
God was there to help them rebuild. God is with us to help, help us rebuild the city of Atlanta and to rebuild our nation and to touch the world. And the last dream was to read Jeremiah. And I'm going to read just a little bit of that, of one. Before I formed you, because this is a message to you, you guys. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Ah, sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I'm only a child. You must go to everyone I send you to and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. That's two different parts of the uh, first chapter of Jeremiah. When Steve and I, and this, this next part is asking you where you are in your walk. Can you lead revival right now? Can I lead revival right now? When Steve and I were in Wales, we were driving through these back roads and they were very, very narrow and there were sheep in the beautiful fields everywhere. And we got to this one area where there was no fences. It was like a cattle guard area, so it was huge for miles. And we, we looked ahead and in front of us, the sheep were on the road like their faces were on the road. They looked like they were dead along the side of the road. Some of them had their rear ends in the road. Some of them had their arms just, and they were all sleeping. It's like they were keeping warm. But I looked at that road and I said, as if this was all the children of God. So that was one group of sheep, had part of their body on the road, which we had to dodge so we wouldn't run over. And the next group of sheep were in the regular four-walled, these beautiful stone walls, you know, fields, eating. And they were fat and happy. But there were a third group of sheep. We were on the coast and there was this beautiful, beautiful mansion far in the distance. And there was this gorgeous, gorgeous hillside. And there were sheep uh, grazing next to the mansion. And right there, they were on the ocean, like the sea of glass. And I felt like, oh my goodness, this, these are our choices as Christians. I can live, because all these sheep are saved. But these guys are over here leaning into sin, lying still, cheating, whatever. You know, they're... They got their face on the road. could get smashed. You know what I mean? They're living part in the world and part out of the world. These sheep in the four-wall fence, it's like a movie I saw a long time ago, and this nun was saying, you know, I love God. He loves me, but we really don't talk anymore. And that's those sheep. Or are we going to be seated in heavenly places where we are next to the Lord, seated next to his throne, being one with him and he one with us, overlooking the sea of glass. To lead revival, he's calling us to be seated in heavenly places. I had a dream about that also. Uh, it, was a, it was a dream of Jesus, and he, there were three silhouettes. And the first one, I mean, I, I could tell it was Antichrist. That's not Jesus. And this is in the dream. The second one, oh, that's Jesus. And people were, oh, I want to be like, I'm trying so hard. It's so hard to be a Christian. They were working so hard. And I was going, that's kind of sad. And the third Jesus, people <laughs> were stepping in to Jesus and being one with him. And that Jesus was seated in the Garden of Eden. And the verse, John 14, 20, one, on that day you'll realize that I am in, hold it, that I am in my Father and you are in me, and I am in you. In Acts 17, for in him we live and move and have our being. 
to lead revival, to walk in the strategy of heaven, that's where we have to be seated in heavenly places. I had another dream. God really speaks to me in dreams, so. <laughs> but it's, 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 it's wonderful how he speaks, because he's speaking to all of us. So this dream was about the sea of glass, and we were all there. And we were sitting there on the side of a hill, and there was this huge dam. And we were going, oh, man, this thing could break any time. And we were just kind of nervous all the time. And we were doing our worship and normal church, but, you know, this could break. And so Steve and I and a handful of people decided we're going to go up and see what, you know, because we just were nervous. So we kind of walked up the side of this hill, and when we got up there, it wasn't a dam. And then all of a sudden, I realized this is the sea of glass from heaven. And I looked, and it was like this round, you know, on top of a dam, but round edge as far as I could see. And, you know, it's, it, was, it went further than I could see, but you could see that it kept going. And then all the way across, I could see the throne of God. And I was going, oh, my goodness. This is one of those I'm sitting there in the dream going, oh, my goodness. And I was, I decided to walk out on the edge, and I sat down on the edge of this wall. And behind me is this, you know, God's throne and the sea, this beautiful crystal. And I'm sitting there just resting in the presence and in the water and my doing my hands. I'm going, oh, this is amazing. And there was no more fear, you know. And then I took my hand and I just kind of scooped at the edge of the cement kind of stuff. <laughs> and, and all of a sudden this divot went down there and the water started gushing over, going down the hill. And I was going, look at that. It's like this huge waterfall of water. And it went to Luis's and Neva's a Mexican ministry, their, their school they're going to want to do one day. And then they hadn't even done it yet. And I was going, that's amazing. And then I took my other hand. I said, I'm going to try this again. And this time I did a little square. I said, and the water just poured out and went to Cameroon where Sherry was. I was going, this is incredible. And then I looked to my left and I could see in the distance, because you could see everything, but you could, you know, even though it was way far, some places and some churches have had Niagara Falls pouring over the edge. And some had trickles. And it was like the group was up there on top of the, we were, could this be? Could we be this powerful walking in him and he and us? Seated in heavenly places. As we step into the strategy of heaven, you guys, that's where we've got to stay seated. Because if God gives us an idea, and my declaration, could it be that powerful? And I think it could. So as Heidi talked about, we are walking as eagles, flying as eagles, with a, with a wing of love and a wing of a power. And Blake, about a month ago, read that word from God that God put on a scroll, the angel showed him, and it says we're stepping into our inheritance. This is a big deal, what's happening right now. And he also said, nothing's going to be the same ever again, you guys. Bob Jones said, this next revival is going to be so powerful, we will experience and do miracles we've never imagined. Randall Worley, he said, Bethel, Atlanta, you are like war horses. Now, I'm talking about the power wing right now. He said, you are war horses coming from the east. You are strong, you're muscular, 
you're powerful, you're running with such great might and the world's going, oh my God, what is this? And you're breathing in and out of the presence of God and you're amazing and you're so, your heart is so full of the love of God. And then I was reading this because I believe this is part of our strategy to walk in this power. This is from Job and this refers to those war horses that you are. Do you give the horse his strength or clothe his neck with a flowing mane? Do you make him leap like a locust, striking terror with his brow snorting? He paws fiercely, rejoicing in his strength. This is you. And, ch and charges into the fray. He laughs at fear, afraid of nothing. He does not shy away from the sword. The quiver rattles against his side along with the flashing spear and lance. In frenzied excitement, he eats up the ground. He cannot stand still when the trumpet sounds. At the blast of the trumpet, he snorts. Aha! He catches the scent of battle from afar, the shout of commanders and the battle cry. You mighty eagles, you sons and God, you, you sons of God and, and daughters of God who are going to manifest his glory and power, it's time to step into the strategy of heaven. So that is the wing of power. Now today, I'm also going to talk about the wing of love. And it's a, it's a great day to talk about this because I feel like this love thing is such the mother heart of God. So since I'm mom in the house, I feel like I'm going to release a blessing of love over this house because I'm sitting in heavenly places and I can release the power of love to pour over this place like never before. One thing about moms, every mama knows this, I think the greatest, one of the greatest joys of my whole life is to have children who adore each other and who love each other and are happy with each other and run with each other and bless each other. And that's what I feel like God wants to do with this house. Another thing Blake read on that scroll was we're going to take care of the insides of the person on our right and the person on our left. And he said, God has been taking care of the inside, but now it's our time. And as we do this, our insides will grow. This, this, this is not a, just a saying. This is a calling. So everything, like Laura said, that was so cool. Do we want to change We've got to make the decision, okay, God, I, I will take care of the person on my right and the person on my left. This thing about unity, I had another amazing dream about this, and we were all there, and we were doing this amazing play of the Garden of Eden, which is very prophetic right there. And we, but we were all building our own sets. And man, Steve and I watched Avatar the other night. You need to watch that. But it was gorgeous. Everybody was building the most beautiful, lit flowers. Amazing. But we all had our own trees of life. And then Mike in the dream said, hey, guys, let's just all use one tree. <laughs> and that was such a word from God. And, all, and so we decided, okay, we're going to use this one set. And we're going to bring all of our giftings, all of our beauty, all of our desires to this one set. And this tree of life, it did not look like the Sunday school trees of life. This thing was huge and it went up and the branches went as far as you could see. The tree of life we're supposed to dwell under, live under in unity. 
and um, the word says, I pray that all of them may be one, Father, just as you are in me and I am in you. May they also be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one, I in them and you in me. May they be brought to complete unity to let the world know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. I had this other dream about we were on our campus and Chris Vallotton was our teacher in our big class and I felt like he represented the prophetic in this dream. This is a very fascinating dream. And he said, I need to tell y'all that souls has died. Souls is the caretaker, the old, old African-American man. And he had been the caretaker of the land for years. And he said, souls has died. And I want you guys to study souls because he had this key ring that has hundreds and hundreds of keys on them. And each one of these keys opens a door on the campus. And I said, how do you spell that name? <laughs> I said, is it S-O-L-E-S? He said, no, it's S-O-U-L-S. And that was the dream. And so I'm still working at figuring this out. But I feel like we are connected. You know, Dutch Sheet says that the great cloud of witnesses is cheering us on because their destinies, their love of God, their love and passion is connected to my destiny and my love and passion. And so they're cheering us on. I'm telling you tonight when we had all different races up here, I was going, this is, these are the people that 200 years ago would do this and hide. Where And, the, and I felt like during worship that they were just, just kind of weeping and so excited that, that we were embracing and loving this as many people together. It was like, and then I said, okay, I can't think of it anymore because <laughs> it was overwhelming. And that, this, thing, this dream about souls is a big deal. And I think if we dare go and, and, and look up people's names and what they did and dreams they had, these Christians of the past, it's going to make a difference in us pursuing our destiny. So I'm going to tell you a story that's really cool real quick. My mom and dad, my dad, Paul Paul, was definitely the most loving man I've ever known. And when he was in medical school, this was sometime after, but not long, after World War II. And um, he was at Emory Medical School, and he met a guy named Yasuo and his wife, Dakako Matsui. And they were from Japan. And so he brings them home, and him and Ma become their friends, and they introduce them to Brother Jim and Dura, our preachers, you know, back when we were little. And um, the six of them become really good friends. But they take them to church and the church hated them. They were mean, and they hated them. They never got over it. But you can understand many of them lost their sons in Pearl Harbor. I mean, there's a lot going on in our history where people, you know, have a hard time getting over stuff, which, hey. <clears throat> but Mom and Pa loved them. And Yasuo and Dakako got, got uh, saved. And they became fired-up Christians, and they loved Mom and Pa and Jim and Dura. I mean, they even, Mom and Pa and them, they went to see them 40, 50 years later. This, these couples stayed in sync and in love with each other. The love of God was so powerful. 
Yasso became a director over several hospitals, one of the top surgeons in Japan, being a lover of God. So, you know, many, many years ago, just loving on one person that nobody wanted to love on touched a nation. Tonight, you know, here at Bethel Atlanta, I feel like I'm talking to the choir because I really think our church really loves each other. I mean, there's no doubt in my mind. There are many nations represented here. I mean, there are people from Africa, America. You, you yell one if I miss them. Mexico, China, uh, Scotland, Norway, Australia, Germany. Um, anybody else? France, Jamaica, Italy. Very good. So in our world, the enemy takes whatever it can, race, nationality, uh, social economical stuff, uh, politics, gender, and tries to divide. I believe tonight something happened in, in uh, second year. And Caritha, if you want to come up here, would you come up here, please? Something happened in second year, the last, second to last day of school. Now, this is my class who I'm telling you, I, it's the most wonderful in love group that I, one of the things, biggest things, wonderful things I've experienced. But that night, one of the revival groups decided we're going to wash each other's feet and we're going to repent of the hurt of the, the things that have happened to that person over their lifetime. And we're going to do a prophetic act. I have never experienced such a catapult of love. And see, this is what I think Laura's talking about. Do you choose to lean into what Holy Spirit's doing, you guys? It, and you've got to choose this. You could go, oh, great. I don't want to do this. You know, that kind of thing. Because I'm going to do this with Caritha, and I'm going to repent for the hurt in her life. And she's going to ask me, too. You know, that thing about loving the person on your right and the person on your left, that, on that scroll, um, we can't grow. You know, Blake said, our insides are going to grow. I can't grow unless I have a new wineskin. I've screwed up, I'm sure, bunches of times. I need forgiveness for that. And even though this is a standing in the gap for our history, the history that I have no clue about, even if I'm standing in the gap, I can do this prophetic act. And the reason I'm doing it is because three weeks ago, God told me to. And I'm not, I don't understand exactly what's happening in the spiritual realm. But I know this is a big deal kind of night. So I'm going to do this. And I want to show you Huggies, wipes. I believe with all my heart that Jesus would have chosen Huggies if they were available. So I'm going to... I mean, think about it. Somebody said, Huggies is much better than Pampers. You know what I mean? Think about it. This is, anyway, so I'm going to give you an example. And I just want you to watch and please lean into Holy Spirit because he's going to shift something. Do you know everything that happens tonight, I believe, is going to have a domino effect to touch a city. 
And when you're, and when you're praying for someone, we're gonna pray for people, not our same race, not our, I mean, you can pray for the same gender. Don't pray for your families, members, people that you don't know that you want to start watching out for their insights. I wanna start watching out for your heart because you're my sister. That, that scroll thing's amazing, you guys. You need to listen to it if you haven't and write it down and read it. It's, it's like, you gotta look. We have brothers and sisters and moms and dads and, and uh, sons and daughters and God's bringing more. But if my wine skin's old and cracked, it's not gonna hold the, the growth in the more. And God wants to shift everyone here because tonight you have stepped into a strategic night of heaven. I believe it with all my heart. So, you can just put your foot in my lap, honey. Y'all can do this any way you want. And just, just be in an attitude of prayer, you guys. I'm going to do a one-handed foot wash. Caritha, my darling. And anybody on the podcast, you need to know I'm white. She's African-American. And Caritha is a great friend of mine. So, I don't, this is totally prophetic. And, it, and it's also for anything that I've ever missed, you know, as far as our relationship. But Caritha, my dear friend, I was sitting there um, during worship just thinking about um, the stuff you and I probably can't even imagine with, that went on with uh, your race a hundred years ago. The people that were murdered, the people that were so hurt, families that were destroyed. I just want to ask you, to forgive me and I want to repent for all that that's happened. I want to repent for you being passed by on the street and somebody giving you a dirty look. I want to repent for you having great ideas of people not listening to them. I want to repent for your children being hurt, your grandma being hurt, your grandfather being hurt, whatever has hurt you that, that you carry. I want to repent for that. And I want you to know I love you and, and I want to ask your forgiveness. All right. Lindy, I want to say I'm sorry and I repent on behalf of everyone that's misunderstood you and how different you are, and how unique you are. Every person that's presented the great faith that you have, and they said, I don't wanna be around her. She's weird. I wanna repent and say, I'm sorry for everyone that has tried to give you the responsibility of holding the weight because you're Caucasian, tried to give you the responsibility of holding the weight because you had things that they didn't have and they didn't want to have anything to do with you because of that. I want to repent for the person that didn't receive you because you were a female or you giggled too much, you smiled too much, and they didn't like you because you had so much joy overflowing from you. I want to repent on behalf of my race African-American, black, the Negro, for holding hatred against you because of the color of your skin due to what happened years and years ago. And I want to say that I'm sorry 
that the weight has been forced on you and your family. And I want to tell you that I love you. I love you very much. And I'm thankful for being here. God bless you. I love you and I forgive you. Amen. I need to hold you. Hold it. Give us a minute. <laughs> Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. To stay connected with Bethel Atlanta, visit www.bethelatlanta.com.